Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week at the same time. And I trust you're being blessed by the Word of God that we're sharing with you. Uh, I'm going to begin to open the Word again today from the book of Luke. We're going to go there in just a few minutes if you want to go ahead and get your Bible or your uh, device ready and study along with us because we're going to dig a little deeper into the Word, uh, I believe, today and uh, maybe just touch some of the deep things of God. I think it would be a blessing to you. Uh, let me just say to you, Happy New Year and uh, uh, if this is not aired before, it will certainly be aired very close to the first of the year. And we want to say thank you for your partnership throughout the year. Without you, it is absolutely impossible to reach the nations of the earth like we do. As you know, we have very little time that we spend in raising money or trying to uh, you know, to um, manipulate or to get you to give other than to respond to the Spirit of the Lord and to allow Him to teach you and guide you in uh, what kind of support or gifting you can give. Uh, we do need your partnership, and uh, without that, of course, there's no way uh, that we could keep doing what we're doing. Uh, perhaps as this first of the year begins, you would consider becoming a monthly partner or sending a one-time gift to help to support uh, the ministry and uh, as we're preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of grace around the world. And uh, to do that, you can simply go to my website at lynnhiles.com and there is a place to give there. You can set a monthly debit if you'd like to give or you can call the number on the screen and uh, they can help you either uh, by taking a credit card or debit card, or uh, you can also simply write a check to the address that will come up on the screen at the end of the program. And uh, your support is definitely needed, and although we don't spend a long time with an emphasis on that, I just need you to know we do need your help in order to continue to do this. As we get into the Word today, I also want to remind you that if you miss something or you say, boy, I really wish I had that recorded, and I'd like to go back and listen to that, uh, there's good news. We have archived everything that we have aired to date is on our YouTube channel. There's a whole host of stuff on YouTube, but we have a channel that's dedicated to this program, and you can go there simply by going to my website, and of course the address is on the screen of the uh, website at lynnhiles.com, and uh, there is a direct link there with a little icon that will take you to YouTube, to our YouTube channel. Uh, also, you can follow us on Facebook, and especially my public profile page. We always post the video from the program. And uh, there's not only a YouTube uh, video there, there is also uh, a podcast. And you can tap on the icon for the podcast and get the audio portions of these um, uh, messages and stream them directly to your device. There's an RSS feed for Android. We are doing that for free on YouTube, on iTunes, on the RSS feed at no charge. Uh, it is you, our faithful partners, of course, that help us to continue to be able to do that. And you sowing into that is what helps us to be able to literally touch literally millions of people around the globe. 
Uh, that being said, I want to get in the Word right now, and I'm going to begin by reading in Luke, the 10th chapter. And in Luke, the 10th chapter, it starts out in verse 21 is where I'm going to begin with, and we'll probably take a couple of days to unpack some of the things that are in this powerful piece of Scripture. But it says, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and has revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned on him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Now, I'm going to come on down in these verses a little bit further, but I want to just stop and talk about Jesus is saying some things, what we must remember again when reading the Scripture, and I'm going to just emphasize this over and over again because it's so vitally important, context and audience relevance is everything. How would this first century Jewish nation, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are primarily written to the Jews, the covenant yet had not been, uh, or, or let's, the new covenant had not yet, or the availability to the Gentiles, to enter into the covenants of promise was not yet offered until after the cross of Jesus Christ. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the New Testament, but they are still in the Old Covenant. So he is dealing with things that are under the Old Covenant, and Jesus and John the Baptist are introducing uh, the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, what they're saying is there are some things that are about to take place that this first century audience was going to be blessed to be able to see. He said, blessed is your eyes, which see the things that you see, because many of the prophets and, uh, and kings desire to see the things that you're about to see, and that you're about to hear, and they had not heard them. So uh, I don't know how privileged we, we, we just need to think about how privileged we are in the hour we stand in, that we are in the new covenant, and what a privilege it is to see uh, the fulfillment of many things that God had promised old covenant saints that is now available to us that we simply take for granted. I think so many times we take a lot of the blessings of God for granted, and where we stand in this new covenant in the kingdom of God. And so, you know, even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've heard me probably talk about this a lot, but Jesus is talking to this first century audience, and especially, you know, when I wrote this book called From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift, that's when it really delves into a lot of my thinking on the kingdom. John the Baptist said to this first century audience, repent for the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. He said that to people standing there in front of them. He said to that first century audience, the kingdom is within your reach. Now, so many times in a lot of the American church and really around the world, we have a 21st century mentality and we're thinking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And when we read 
these parables, we think Jesus is talking about going to heaven someday when you die. And while I do believe that that's part of the package, that you will go to heaven if you are a believer when you die, he's really not talking about what happens after you die. He's talking about accessing the blessings and the government of the kingdom in your life right now on this side of the grave. So when he begins to talk about the kingdom, and he begins to talk about parables of the kingdom, and a whole lot of stuff that he deals with about the kingdom, he's not talking about other world stuff like heaven. He's talking about this world stuff. He's talking about sowing and reaping, and stewardship, and faithfulness, and uh, the government of heaven, how it works in your life. I think so many people miss the quality of life that's being offered here. And so when he's talking to them, uh, you know, in this context about blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear, he's talking to people who are privileged to be in a day when he's introducing something brand new, and that is a new form of government was coming on the scene that would replace the law of Moses and the old covenant, and it would be the government of heaven and the gospel of the kingdom or the kingdom of God and the promised kingdom that was all through the law and the prophets. The prophets all testified of a coming Messiah, a coming king, a coming kingdom, and uh, most of us, you know, kind of uh, relocate this to some millennial kingdom somewhere out in the distant future, and we do not realize that the moment we were born again, we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. And I am right now, and so are you if you're a believer, a citizen of the kingdom of God with all the legal rights of citizenship of the kingdom of God, and with access to all of the kingdom's, if you will, ministries and, and, and dispensing of the kingdom. Now, I just, I'm, I'm probably a little different than some of the guys you, you, you may have heard before, but see, I believe that the kingdom of God is not just for there. I believe it's here. That's why Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it already is, in the heavens. So he, what he's saying is, I'm not just trying to get you from here to there, I'm trying to get what's happening there to operate here. And one of the things that he begins to tell them is that not only uh, was some of these things hid from the wise and the prudent and hidden from, uh, but God had revealed them to babes and sucklings, but he begins to tell them, all things are delivered to me of my Father. And no man knows who the Son is but the Father and who the Father is but the Son, and He to whom the Son will reveal Him. And He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see, and the things that hear. And so He's talking about living life in this new covenant in the context of a father-son relationship. Now you say, well, that's not too, too deep or profound, which I, I agree, at least especially in our era. But you have to remember that up until this point, it was almost blasphemous to even think in terms of God as being Abba, or He's my Father. Because when Jesus stood up in the Gospel of John and said, I and my Father, we are one. 
the Jews picked up stones to stone him and said, we're going to stone you to death. And Jesus said to them, for many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which one of these works do you stone me? And he said, for a good work we stone thee not, but because thou being a man makest thyself God. And, and so they were, and, and, but, but you see what happened. And Jesus begins to quote, and he says, listen, the scripture cannot be broken. Have I not said in Psalm 82, I believe it is verse 6, you are God's, in other words, little G-O-D-S on it. In other words, you belong to him and all of you are children of the Most High God. And so when Jesus identified with God as being his father, in the mind of this first century Jewish nation, they almost view that as blasphemous. As a matter of fact, the reason Matthew doesn't hardly use the terminology, the kingdom of God, he, he uses a synonymous term, he'll say the kingdom of heaven, was because Matthew was written especially to a Jewish audience, and they thought it to be blasphemy or taking the name of the Lord in vain, so they wouldn't even say the name of God or just use letters to represent what it was. Now, uh, you know, uh, but see, when you think about the revolutionary concept that he's introducing here, that I and my Father, we are one, uh, you know, and he's saying to them, you know, that uh, uh, no man knows the Father like the Son, or the Son like the Father does. And uh, he, he came to reveal to us the absolute understanding that this is not about being a servant or a slave, because under the old covenant, you were a servant or a slave. That was the mentality. But you're no longer servants, but your sons, Galatians 3 and 4, powerfully bring that out. That when we were children, we were servants, we were under bondage to the elements of the world, touch not, taste not, handle not, I believe Colossians says. But now we're not just servants, but we're sons. The Apostle John writes, in one of his epistles, behold, what an incredible quality of love the Father has bestowed upon you that you might be called the sons of God. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So John is saying, listen, this is an incredible quality of love that the Father has bestowed on us, that we might even be called the sons of God. So he's trying to introduce a concept of God, that he's not just this austere uh, old man on a Victorian chair with white hair with a club in his head ready to hit you upside the head. He is Abba. He is your Father. And I think we need to keep that in mind, even as we think about judgments and corrections, is that he's not a God who is out to get you. He is a father who wants the best life on the planet for you. And so his corrections are not vindictive, and his judgments are not, uh, you know, with no intent, but they are always uh, sent forth to bring forth a correction that produces a peaceable fruit of righteousness and to give you a quality of life in this planet right now. I can't help but think about you know, the 11th chapter of Matthew. Uh, let me just quickly see if I can and go over there real quick. Matthew, the 11th chapter, and I'm going to read from the uh, Message Bible for a moment because this will help play into some of the things that I really want to share, at least over 
the next couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I actually uh, go down towards the end of it, and uh, verse number 27 of Matthew 11, I'm reading to you from the message. It says, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. So he's saying, listen, this is really a unique father-son operation. But I love this. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm willing to go over it line by line with you. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I like that. I'm going to go over it. This is a unique father-son relationship that come out of father-son intimacies. If there was anything that I would encourage believers everywhere to do is to develop an intimate father-son relationship with God who is not mad at you. He is mad about you, and He is a good, good Father. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, that's what I think I appreciate about the gospel that's really being released right now and over the last several years is He really is a good, good Father. He has your best interest in mind. He's not an abuser. He, he, he will correct, but He always does it with the intent of edification and to build you up and to produce the quality of life that He really desires for you to live. And then the next verse says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. This series that I'm talking about right now, I think we'll just call this whole thing, You Will Recover Your Life, this series of messages. Because that's what this is about. You will recover your life. You'll get your life back. Now he's coming when he says to this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Let me, before I even get down to that, let me just say this. I have thrilled a many a crowd by preaching, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? As a matter of fact, again, I'm not just trying to advertise books, but I wrote this book called Unforced Rhythms of Grace that comes from this particular text. And when I wrote this book, I, you know, I, I, there are a lot of this is in this book. But what I, 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 I preached man, when, in the early days of understanding grace and some of that's coming on the scene, man, I'm telling you, I, crowds would respond to, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. The real gospel will give you back your life. And then he goes, say, and so, so I thrilled many crowds by preaching, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? And I will continue to do that. But see, here the next part of it is something that everybody overlooks. They get to shouting about, I'm tired, I'm weary, and I'm burned out, yada, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And you, but see, here's the next part of it. He, says, he said, he said uh, I'll show you how to take a real rest. But here's the powerful key. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so he comes into this verse, and he says, not only are you tired, are you weary, are you burned out on religion, and I'll go show you how to take a real receipt. He says this, which I think is a powerful point that I feel the emphasis of the Spirit on while I'm talking to you this morning is, walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. Let me go over this father-son intimacies with you. I'll do it line by line. See how I do it. Keep company with me. In other words, stay in fellowship with him. Live out of this relationship rather than out of a bunch of rules. The gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It's about receiving a life that will keep you. That's what the New Covenant really emphasizes. And we're going to get into, as we come on down through this Luke chapter 10, uh, where there's a lawyer that asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, eternal life is more than just a ticket to heaven, but I want to take a whole, uh, a whole program just on that, if I possibly can, in just a little, uh, probably perhaps next week. But he said, what I want you to do is, I want you to get away with me, walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. Let me go over this father-son intimacies relationship with you, and everything will flow then from an unforced rhythm of grace. And here's what's powerful. You will recover your life. We read so much into the context of Scripture so many times. We think some of these scriptures that are talking about having life and that more abundantly is when we get to heaven. But the reality of it is, is that he's talking about you recovering your life right now. I'm convinced that there are probably people watching me right now. And your lives, even in Christianity, have been stolen and robbed and you're disappointed, you're tired, you're weary. As a matter of fact, if you read this chapter, in the King James Bible, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And uh, so, you know, when you begin to see that, he's talking about taking the yoke on you and learning of him. Uh, you know, I, I think about even a yoke. I just thought, you know, this thought hit me while I was preaching this recently. I thought, you know, the yoke uh, to me uh, is powerful because it thinks not, it, you could think about an oxen and being yoked together with him, and that's probably powerfully here. But I also thought, got, got to thinking about the yoke of marriage where Paul said, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And I thought to myself when I read this, it really blessed me because I thought, Jesus must think I'm his equal or he would have never wanted to marry me. Hallelujah. He must think I'm his equal because he would not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So if you're a believer today, he sees you as something he wants to be yoked with, something he wants to, uh, you know, not necessarily control every aspect of your life, but as you see a partnership among husband and wives even, is that we learn how to live in a rhythm of, 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 of what blesses and what uh, you know, in other words, when you start to really know someone intimately, uh, you will begin to know their nuances, their moods, their, 
their, uh, their facial expressions, and uh, you, you learn what they like, what they don't, and it, lear- it, it gets to be a rhythm of living in a, a partnership that's flowing from a love relationship. And I think that's what he's saying here. You learn how to live freely, you learn how to live lightly, that this is not something that ought to be trudgery or, you know, I, I tell you, I think so many people have become so discouraged with a Christianity seemingly that is nothing but rules and regulations. And I, if you just even stop and think about some of the things that people believe and think, it's amazing to me that we send people to hell for stuff we wouldn't even send them to jail for in America. I mean, our concept of God has been so warped by this God who you can never please, who you are never good enough for. And people get so tired and weary and burned out with that that they most of the time throw in the towel and say, I love God, but He evidently doesn't love me. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to enjoy the journey and hopefully in my final moments I'll be able to ask God for forgiveness and make heaven my home. I'm telling you that's way below what God has purposed for the believer. He wants to give you, Deuteronomy 10 said, the days of heaven on earth. Salvation is more than just a ticket to heaven. It is redemption, sozo, on every level, spirit, soul, and body. He wants to redeem us from sin, sickness, poverty, death, and all the effects of it so that our salvation, again, is not just when we get to heaven, but we can enjoy that abundant life right now, right here on the planet. And I believe that's what He really wants for you. This is so powerful to me that He says here in Matthew 11, if you'll walk with me, if you'll work with me, if you'll let me go over these intimacies with you line by line, uh, you'll recover your life. Uh, And so the next uh, several weeks we're going to talk about recovering your life. Some folk just need to get in recovering. And, uh, and, and that may even include sometimes a recovery program because people need Jesus. We're about to run out of time, but you know, I just want you to, to, to just uh, co- contemplate what I'm saying today. There are people probably watching me right now, and you said, I just really need to recover my life. I want to pray this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, just move right now in someone's living room, someone's hotel room. Will help them, Father God, to be able to release the things that have kept them in bondage and become yoked together with you as their lives are turned around through a relationship with you. Just receive him right where you're at right now and receive him into your life. You'll begin to recover your life. He'll turn some things around for you. This is a new year for you, and I believe it's a time for a turnaround. We just pray that prayer for you today in Jesus' name. We're about to run out of time. If you'd like to uh, sow seed into this ministry or give an offering to help us to stay on the air, please do that by calling the number on the screen or going to our website. You can give via credit card, debit card, or by check or money order. You can become a partner with our ministry. There's someone who will take your call. If you call the number on the screen and you do not get an answer, please leave a message and someone will return your call. We have a limited amount of staff that handles the phones and sometimes they are not there 24-7. God bless you and thank you for tuning in again this week. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. 
The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.